Feeling bogged down by your daily grind? Not living up to your greatest potential? Then it's time to turn up the heat and get real with what truly matters, be it family, career, wellness, spirituality, or anything else that fuels your inner flame. Join Fire It Up with CJ as this respected life coach talks to a wide range of experts and everyday people for their inspiring and unconventional ideas to help you make the most from your life. Equal parts heart warmer, cheerleader, and butt kicker, C.J. Liu draws on her extensive experience in business and life coaching, along with her intuition and playful humor, to address meaningful topics with truth and irreverence. It takes just one spark to ignite a fire. Now, here's your host, C.J. Hi, I'm CJ Liu, and you're listening to Fired Up with CJ on the Transformation Talk Radio Network. Talk radio to spark your curiosity, illuminate your spirit, and fire you up into action right now, right here, and every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Day, uh, Standard Time. So today on Fired Up with CJ, I have Coach Bruce Brown. I am so excited to have this program. Um, Bruce has been coaching kids forever, for the last 35 years, and he's the founder of Proactive Coaching. And today's focus is really looking at um, our current parent parental involvement with kids in sports and really questioning it, what's helpful, what's hurtful, and what can we do as parents, grandparents, and people who generally want to support our kids to have confidence out there on the field and in life. Welcome, Bruce. I'm really thrilled to have you. Thanks, CJ. Forever. That sounded like a long time of coaching there. <laughs> I think you were coaching before I was born, and I'm really old. <laughs> that's a, no, no, that's a good thing. <laughs> so let's talk about parent involvement. We were just talking about this before the break. What What's happening, and what have you seen since the 1960s when you started coaching with parent involvement, and how has it changed? Well, I actually started coaching even before that. I started coaching when I was uh, really young, and... Uh, I think athletics in general has changed. It isn't just parents. I think athletics in, in general has changed, especially for younger kids. Um, the biggest changes, I think, a couple of the biggest changes I think I've seen in that amount of time is, number one, is, is, is sports has gone from peer control or child control to adult control. That's one of the, that's one of the main things where adults run all these organized sports and, and basically leave kids out of the decision-making thing. So different than my time. Um, you know, uh, it's it's become kind of uh, everything is everything is done by adults for kids instead of for with kids for kids. So yeah, kind of how did it used to be what, what, when you said in your time? What would it be in your time? You know, uh, I'm not saying this is better. I'm just saying it's different. Uh, you know, my guys, yeah. we'd get together with your buddies in the neighborhood. You go play a game. If it got lopsided, you swap players around. You you made the decisions on the field. You you called that balls and strikes. You you know you 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 basically did it yourself. So. Um, that's that's one of the biggest changes, and and if you look at another, I'd say the biggest change that's happened in sport is is if you look at the stages that athletes go through, and and it's pretty predictable uh, that athletes go through the first stage is the joy stage, you know I just love playing, I, I love to practice, I I I can't I w- can't wait for the next practice, I wish practice wasn't over, as soon as it's over I want to go home and shoot baskets with my mom or play catch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe it's just I love the snacks, but but just pure joy. The kid, the kid mm-hmm. just absolutely falls in love with the game. Then comes the technical stage. Somebody older than me is telling me how to do this. Mm-hmm. Then comes the you know I'm I'm not quite sure when that should be, but then comes the competitive stage. The scores start to matter. 
I'm starting my my I'm being measured against an opponent. I'm being measured against my own teammates in practice for playing time. My performance determines my playing time. That should happen somewhere around 11, 12, go through high school. Then comes the mastery stage for those kids who have the ability to play beyond beyond high school, very few. But if you look what's happening in the United States and maybe in other countries too, um, is is the technical stage and the competitive stage are getting shoved down to a younger and younger age to the to the mm-hmm. point where the joy stage lasts about a week and you've got kindergartners, playing, oh. you know, you you got kindergartners playing basketballs in leagues where they're keeping statistics and standings and and it's like uh, the joy stage has pretty much been wiped out of that. So uh, that's 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 the two of the biggest changes I think uh, that have come. And about. what precipitated those changes? You think? Well. I, th- I honestly think it's 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 adult involvement. You know, sport has become uh, more work instead of fun. It's been it's been more uh, interested in the um, the outcome rather than the process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you look at traveling teams today, they play 50 games and have have 10 practices. You know, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, you had 50 practices and played 10 games. The process was really important, and I think that. That's happened by just for a lot of different reasons because it's become more important in people's eyes. It's it's uh, it started at a younger and younger age. You've got into specialization, um, and you know kids at each of those stages, the joy stage, the technical, the competitive, and the mastery, all need different things. There's different needs that those kids need, but what they don't need is have it backed up to the point where they lose the benefits of each of those stages. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like for, from the kids' perspective, I see kids. I have a friend of mine from work who was coaching a little league team. Gosh, probably they're ten years old, and this one kid was sobbing because he missed, you know, missed something. He missed, you know, missed it when he was at bat, and he was just sobbing. And and my friend went up and said, "What's going on with you? And what's happening?" And he said, "You know, I'm not going to win my scholarship now." He said, scholarship to what? And he said, well, I'm not going to win my scholarship and I'm not going to be in the major leagues. And then my, you know, it's like my life won't be over. And I thought, oh my God. And where do those thoughts come from? And, and, I and, you know, know. you know, that's, that's not a normal, that's not a normal behavior for a 10 year old kid. No, I don't think so either. But this kid had been trained. He had a personal coach who, in addition to the training sessions that this kid had as, you know, part, part of just for, training for the game with his team he had a personal coach that was training him i mean it was crazy well when you ask you know how has parent involvement changed that's one of the things that's changed uh Mm -hmm. you know i I think we i look back to my childhood and my 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 father spent a lot of time with me playing with me i didn't have a personal Mm -hmm. trainer and 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 i think it's as people have gotten busier and busier in their adult lives i think it's something that they've kind of farmed out to other people you know and we uh, you know, we want, as parents, we want our kids, first of all, I'm, I would never tell anybody how to parent their kids. So everything I talk to about parents, 95% of my messages are to coaches and athletes. All the materials I've written and published, uh, 95% are, are for coaches and for athletes, and about 5% of the stuff I do is for parents. Mm-hmm. But this message didn't come from research, most of it. Everything I talk to parents about came from my athletes. And and that's so I think I need to temper things with that because you could never tell anybody how to parent their kids. But uh, I had a great mentor coach at an early age suggested to me I start getting some feedback from my players. The idea being it shortcut my learning curve as a coach. So when I started asking my players a series of questions that I thought were going to help me be a better coach, they really did help me as a coach and as a leader mm-hmm. of kids. 
but it also really changed me as a father. So it was like, so everything I'm gonna, everything that I refer to parents about all came from athletes from 35 years of kids. And so when I'm talking to parents, I'll say, you know, if you disagree with something I, I say, it ain't gonna bother me because it's not my material. It's from, it's from kids and it's what kids would like to tell you, but probably never will. So and, let's uh, go back to what you, your comment yeah. about change you as a father. How did it change you as a father? Once you heard this feedback from the athletes in terms of what they wanted, how did it change you as a father? Mainly it was perspective on, on, uh, big picture, little picture stuff. It was, mm-hmm. uh, it was perspective on, on, on what they really need from this competition to have good memories and to, and to have, and to have successful performance. I mean, we want our kids to perform well in everything they do and we want them to have good memories. And so basically all the stuff that I learned in my questions with these athletes focused on those things. Okay, so what would what were your key so if you were to take your three key pieces of learning about what you really need to do to have good memories and what you really need to do to have successful performance, what would you uh, would could you distill them down into three nuggets to for us? Uh, I don't know if I could do the three nuggets but I can I can talk about before the game and during the game and after the game, but basically it gets down to big picture and little picture. Okay. And, and the little picture that we all get caught up in because we want our kids to succeed is, is uh, you know, where the desire to win or for them to have a, an individual very successful focus on their individual performance can be so important that it overpowers everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, how our kids do in a game is really little picture. Whether they win, whether they lose, whether they're laughing or whether they're crying, or just it, that, that, you know, it, how many points they score, you know, and, I, and you'll see games where if a kid strikes out with the bases loaded, or if he gets what he thinks is a bad call for a third strike, it's a catastrophe. You know, it's a, it's, it's a catastrophe. And, and the truth is, the big picture parent sees that same situation as an opportunity for character growth. They see it as an opportunity to learn resilience, pers- you know, perseverance, mental toughness. Uh, big picture people. And, and, and for me, as, as a teacher and as a coach, trying to keep my eye on that big picture, what, what qualities are really important? You know, what, what, what are the big picture things that are going to help them become a better adult? They're going to help them as they mature to have a more successful life. Determination, focus, team-first attitude, honesty, learning to compete, you know, learning to work, learning to be accountable. And you can still have those big picture things and, 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 and have a really strong desire to compete successfully on the scoreboard. That's it isn't one or the other. You can you can still see big picture and still really teach kids how to compete successfully. Okay, and I want to talk to you about that after the break because I think some of these big picture things is is hard for parents to keep track of, you know, and then it's and and it's out of just love for wanting our children the very best thing for them to have happen happen on the field. Um, but I can see how they lose a um the big picture. So um, when we return from the break, uh, Bruce Brown, founder of Proactive Coaching on Fired Up with CJ and Transformation can Talk Radio. So we'll talk about what kind of life lessons and big pictures your kids can get out of sports. If you want to know more about Proactive Coaching or listen to this or other shows, check it out on www.firedupwithcj.com. We'll be right back. Feeling bogged down by your daily grind? Not living up to your greatest potential? Then it's time to turn up the heat and get real with what truly matters, be it family, career, wellness, spirituality, or anything else that fuels your inner flame. 
Join Fire It Up with CJ as this respected life coach talks to a wide range of experts and everyday people for their inspiring and unconventional ideas to help you make the most from your life. Equal parts heartwarmer, cheerleader, and butt kicker, C.J. Liu draws on her extensive experience in business and life coaching, along with her intuition and playful humor, to address meaningful topics with truth and irreverence. It takes just one spark to ignite a fire. For dates and showtimes, visit www.fireitupwithcj.com or www.transformationtalkradio.com. So this may sound simple, but when you're planning a road trip, you have to figure out where you're going first. With the Take Shape for Life program, the destination is living life at optimal health. So what does that mean? It means more energy. It means less medications. And yes, it means losing the extra pounds, which is actually part of the getting there. Talk to a Take Shape for Life health coach who's been there. Listen to their story and their journey. Call 877-520-SIMPLE. That's 877-520-SIMPLE. Results will vary. Talk to your doctor before starting program. Call for details. Oh, aren't you tired of the same old negative vibe? Hey, Valerie, have you heard about TransformationTalkRadio.com? No, what's that? Dr. Pat is launching a new network. and she... Dr. Pat? Dr. Pat. How many hours is she going to be on? It won't be all Dr. Pat. She'll be joined by her friends transformative hosts from around the globe. TransformationTalkRadio.com is a 24-7 network. 24 hours of Dr. Pat and her guests? No, 24 hours of Dr. Pat and her hosts. Oh, very good. When does this start? This starts in August. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Where is it going to be broadcast? You're going to be able to hear her in Seattle, Boston, Connecticut, New York, Rhode Island, on over 300 cable radio stations, and on the Internet everywhere. Listen live at TransformationTalkRadio.com. Great. We should spread the word. Absolutely. Spread the word. Go to TransformationTalkRadio.com. 1230 You're listening to Fire It Up with CJ on Transformation Talk Radio and Stereo 1230 WBLQ. Hey, in case you just joined in, I'm CJ Liu, and you're listening to Bruce Brown, the founder of Proactive Coaching. This segment, what kind of life lessons can your kids get through sports? And before the break, we were talking to Bruce about um, how parents today, they focus on the little picture stuff, the desire to have a kid win and perform during one game versus the big picture stuff, which is the opportunity that they have through sports to um, have their kids grow and gain character. And... um, during the break, Bruce, you said that you had a comment about what impact this has, this big picture, little picture stuff has on kids. I think you're going to find it shocking. It was really shocking to me, and this came from Dan Gould, who's a research person. I'm not a research person. I'm a coach. So that research person at Michigan State who's an expert in this field of youth sports. And, and I, I make, mainly work with high school and college kids, but we, have, we also reach out to youth coaches. But he's, his stat is that approximately 70% of kids are done with organized sport at age 13. Now, if you think oh about goodness. that, almost three out of four kids are are done, and and it's mostly because they choose to. Now, age 13 is right around the age where you get into that competitive stage. 
So here's what, he, here's, what, here's what research says why kids lose their natural love of playing, okay? They, they lose it because of, number one, negative coaching. That's my responsibility as a person who goes out and works with coaches. So that's, that's on the coach's shoulders and coach training. Mental and physical fatigue, same game year-round. You know, what was fun when you were, were, you know, playing one game all year round when you're a nine-year-old is forced labor when you're 14, okay? <laughs> the same game all year round, year-round specialization. Making the game too complex when you've taken the technical stage of the game and you've moved it down to too far of a level causes kids to lose it. And the, and the Wait, last I, I, lost that, out- I lost that one. Help me tell, um, reverse back when it's too – tell me again what that is, too complex. Making the game too complex. Instead what does of making that mean? the game simple in the kid's head, it's it's an adult who has taken the technical stage of the game and is teaching things that kids aren't ready for yet. Uh, okay. And the last think- uh, thing that causes them to lose their natural love is outside pressure. Mm. Pressure coming from outside their own little sphere of friends. And that's almost always from adults. And, if, and so if you examine those things, the impact that that has on the involvement of kids in sports is huge. 70% of kids done that. Their only athletic experience, the only opportunity to be with a coach is before they're 13. Mm, that's Very. awful. Yeah, really awful. Part of that is competitive because they reach that competitive stage, and some kids don't want to be compared. Some kids uh, don't have the natural ability to play beyond there, and that's when the cutting starts. Uh, and that, too, is something I deal with. So, so when you say 70% are done in organizational sports by the age 14, does that mean they're not – so what does that what does that mean they're not doing they're not doing any sports whatsoever they're not participating or? In, a, in an organized sports thing they may be playing they may be skateboarding they may be they may have turned to something that we don't know anything about you know like, but i'm just i'm just saying that that uh like a team you know, sport so organized longer... sport within schools within communities within clubs they're 70 percent are done at age 13 that is so sad yeah it's very sad look, look at all the missed opportunities yeah and look at all the kids who are late matures Mm-hmm. Right, because if they, they, their physicality didn't necessarily all peak out at that time, they're already done. They yeah. don't even have a chance to play anymore. That's so sad. I had an interesting <laughs> conversation with uh, – I was in St. Louis and receiving an, an award, and the other recipient was Cal Ripken. And I'm only saying that because I have tremendous respect for him. But he made an interesting comment He said, if you, if, about baseball. He said if one kid started playing baseball at age five and another kid started playing baseball at age 11 – when the two of them reached 12, the one who started at a five would be better. But if, right. but if they both stayed in the sport by the time they're 16, the one who was the better athlete naturally would be better. Wow. And, but, That's but fascinating because I'm always telling that to my kids, child like, yeah, wow. Yeah. What happens is kids disappear before they can find out whether they're good enough at it. Interesting. Scary. I think that's fascinating. Do you think that that's true, though, too? I mean, his comment, is that true based yes. on your observation? Absolutely. That's why it's so important because for coaches who work with young kids to keep hold of those kids who are late matures and, mm-hmm. to, and to get them to fall in love with the game and to fall in love with, with learning how to play and to, and to say, your time's coming. You just hang in there, buddy, and, and your time is coming. Yeah, you just stick in there because you know pretty soon all those kind of small differences that or big differences that happen right now over time are going to be minimized, so don't worry about it. And that leads us into the lessons that kids can learn. Yeah. So let's tell us, talk to us a little bit. I know on your website you talk about a lot of core values that kids can learn through sports. Give us and, and one of the things that you say on your um, in your work is that it's really important for you to define your expectations and what some of these core values look like. Um, so 
take a couple of them that um, I know that we picked out a, a handful of them that are kind of quick ones and easy and important to describe. Let's talk about integrity. What what is that from from your sense? Okay. Well, first of all, there's uh, one of my one of our booklets that we've written uh, is just called Life Lessons for Athletes. It's the exact thing, and it defines. Uh, ten things that every kid should learn from the athletic experience. They shouldn't have to be good to get good out of it. Okay, mm. and it shouldn't just be for the gifted kids. So integrity, and when I teach this to coaches, I'll say, you know, integrity, selflessness, teachable spirit, pride, humility, uh, mental toughness, accountability, those things, not only are going to be great for kids to learn, but they're also going to help you compete better. Your teams will be better. So if I'm, when I'm teaching integrity, to kids, it depends on the age. If you're talking to college juniors or seniors, it's different than when you're talking to an eight-year-old. But basically, integrity means um, that your yes means yes, that your no means no, that your handshake seals the deal, that your word is good, that your signature has value, that you are who you say you are. You know, and it's not you have revolving integrity, which means regardless of where you see me, my behavior will be consistent. It's a, it's uh, it's a it's a solid foundation. It's purity of intent, you know. So I have a, there's a whole bunch of teaching points we talk about in the booklet, and I wrote the booklet so that coaches or parents could help teach these things through an athletic situation or an athletic uh, uh, arena, not just their home arena. And if you really look at coaching and parenting, they're two very parallel tracks. There are very few things that a good coach isn't going to ask their kids to do and to learn that you, as a good parent, aren't going to ask them to do. We all want our kids to grow up to be people of integrity, of discipline, of you know, a mental toughness, of confidence, and those things. So when I'm talking about integrity, you try to really spell out that that you can't hide from integrity. When I'm talking to older kids, I'll, I'll use that quote of is if you have integrity, nothing else matters. And if you don't have integrity, nothing else matters. That it is it is who you say you are. Your actions and your words are in alignment. That you're bigger than any situation with the foundation of your beliefs. Mm-hmm. So that's Perfect. just a nutshell on integrity. There's a ton more on all these things. Okay. How about mental toughness? You know, it's funny because when you're teaching this to younger kids, uh, I taught junior high school for part of my career, and I love those kids. But if you said something about mental toughness, kids at that age confused it with physical toughness. Mm-hmm. And you had to kind of really make a differentiation. So the first way you teach a value is define it as clearly as possible in words and terms that are age-appropriate, athletically appropriate, so that the kids can't miss it. So when I'm talking about mental toughness, I'm really talking about that people can stay positive, enthusiastic, and confident no matter what. In other words, you cannot break their spirit. It's the perfectly disciplined will. It's people who are, are, are tougher than any situation that's going to throw at them. That you can't, they, they refuse to get discouraged. You know what? If a kid can learn that from playing soccer or volleyball or cross-country or swimming, if they can learn, you know, again, a ton more things on mental toughness, but they can learn those things from being mentally from from a sport think how that's going to transition into life you think they're not going to come across tougher times than than missing a free throw with no time on the clock you, you think they're not going to come through tougher times in their life than going you know losing 8 or 10 games and i'm talking about mental toughness to older kids i'll say what does it take to break your spirit mm-hmm. does it what does it what does it take a missed shot a loss an injury how about three losses in a row how about 14 now, where is your breaking point? As an individual, you've got to decide where your breaking point is. And the truth is, if you're mentally tough, you don't have one. There is no breaking point. And so that's what you're trying to get into kids is, is um, 
you know that that, that they are immersed in a competitive moment. They're not af- they're they're not afraid about being tough on themselves. They recover quickly from their mistakes. In teams that are in teams that are mentally weak, there's a lot of moodiness. There's a lot of pouting. There's a lot of drama. You know, in teams that are mentally weak, uh, uh, they just they fold easily. Their body language is bad. That's another thing we work real hard with athletes on and coaches on is is portraying themselves in body language that doesn't give their opponents an edge. Um, you know, all these things are things they can learn in sport. They can learn them other places too. I mean, they can learn they can learn it in. It isn't important that kids play sports. It's only important they have a passion. You know, one of my daughters was in dance and ballet, and I'll tell you what, she learned more discipline, teamwork, and selflessness and mental toughness from ballet than I could ever taught her in football. So, but these things can be taught by things going on outside your home, which reinforce what you're trying to do as a parent. All ten of those things in that booklet. Yeah, interesting. Okay, I want to hear the other um, a couple things that we um, after the break. So this is fantastic. Yeah. I just think that these. And so often we have these values, but we don't explain exactly what they are. And I think they're really important to explain to kids because they don't know, they don't get it otherwise. And I think like you, when we were talking before, a lot of this is just role modeling. This is a parent that can be extremely helpful to do. Um, but I think defining it is also really critical. So speaker and author, coach Bruce Brown on Fired Up with CJ on the Transformation Talk Radio Network. Um, Bruce, tell us how we can get this booklet. Can we just go up to your website on um, proactive coaching and get it, or that's how do we get That's by far the easiest booklet? way. Is to go proactivecoaching.info, and or okay. to yeah, that's by far the easiest way. Matter of fact, it's about the only way that you can get it. So okay, <laughs> <laughs> you want to know more about Bruce or listen to other fabulous shows? Check it out on www.fireitupwithcj.com. Thanks. We'll be right back. bogged down by your daily grind not living up to your greatest potential then it's time to turn up the heat and get real with what truly matters be it family career wellness spirituality or anything else that fuels your inner flame join fire it up with cj as this respected life coach talks to a wide range of experts and everyday people for their inspiring and unconventional ideas to help you make the most from your life Equal parts heartwarmer, cheerleader, and butt kicker, C.J. Liu draws on her extensive experience in business and life coaching, along with her intuition and playful humor, to address meaningful topics with truth and irreverence. It takes just one spark to ignite a fire. For dates and showtimes, visit www.fireitupwithcj.com or www.transformationtalkradio.com. Ladies, are you living an inspired life? Do you yearn for a more passionate, dream-filled life? Here's Linda Joy, founder of Aspire Magazine, and she has a gift for you. Aspire has launched its Mission to Inspire initiative with a commitment to give away 100,000 one-year digital subscriptions to women around the globe. Every subscription comes with a multitude of free gifts from our team inspiration partners. 
To claim it all, go to AspireMag.net today. No purchase necessary and live an inspired life. Now is the perfect time to learn Tai Chi and Qigong. These ancient Chinese healing arts, also called mind-body practice, are simple to learn, clinically proven to be effective, and can be practiced by anyone, anywhere, at any time. For 10 years, the Institute of Integral Qigong and Tai Chi has been a respected leader in mind-body practice training. Visit IIQTC.org. Empower yourself, empower others. Visit IIQTC.org for more information on mind body practice. IIQTC.org. Are you feeling stuck? Do you want to be free from fears and doubts and finally feel good about yourself, but you just don't know how to get there? Dr. Schaub's Accelerated Breakthrough Program provides you with the tools and solutions to go beyond your limitations and achieve self empowered confidence. Call for your free phone consultation at 866-903-MIND. Visit CellularWisdom.com. That's CellularWisdom.com. TransformationTalkRadio.com. TransformationTalkRadio.com, transforming the world one listener at a time. You're listening to Fire It Up with CJ on Transformation Talk Radio and Stereo 1230 WBLQ. I'm CJ Loon. You're listening to Fired Up with CJ on the Transformation Talk Radio Network. This segment, our expert coach, Bruce Brown, we were just talking about life lessons that your kids can get through sports. And he was covering some things, um, some character um, characteristics that they can get through sports. And we talked about integrity and mental toughness. I wanted to hear your thoughts on how you would define selflessness and teachable spirit, too. Let's do teachable spirit first because... It's something you can start teaching to young people at the age of reason. I think you can start teaching kids to have a teachable spirit when they're six or seven years old. Uh, uh, and an awful lot of kids uh, we would get as high school or college players that really hadn't learned that yet. Basically, a teachable spirit is that you've somewhere along the line in your life you have you have um, learned how to take correction as a compliment. It's just that simple. I try to get things into simple phrases and simple concepts because you're trying to teach this to young people so they can't miss it. Somebody taught you how to take correction as a compliment. That's not something you're born with. <laughs> That's for sure. Okay? And, and it, so it was, a, it was a grandma or it was a third-grade teacher or it was somebody who taught you how to do that. And it basically means this because you can walk in any practice in America at any age, at any sport, and you can see kids getting corrected. It's what coaches do. Coaches' eyes and minds are trained to watch performance and to make corrections. Okay, you can see a teachable spirit. It's visible. The first thing you notice about a teachable spirit is they they look directly at the person who's correcting them, both eyes, both ears, and it isn't out of fear. It's out of I'm going to get something out of this. Okay, and if they use their voice, their voice says this: "Thanks, coach." If they yeah. don't use their voice, their body language says that. Their body language says, "Thank you, coach, for caring enough about me. You think I can get better? Thank you, coach, for loving me enough." You think I'm capable of improving because that's what a correction means in a in a team culture that is done correctly, and, and kids can take that. And man, you think they're going to get better? It, it flip side of that, usually when I'm doing these things, 
especially with older kids, I'll give them, here's what it looks like and here's what it doesn't look like so that there's a very distinct dividing line between the two and there's no gray area. I'll say you're either on this side or this side. You you need to know where you are and you can assess yourself. Kids that don't have a teachable spirit, every time they get corrected, they feel like I'm getting picked on. Okay, it's Poor me. I'm not being corrected. I'm being criticized. Uh, uh, their, their eyes look down. They walk away. They look away. They're embarrassed. First thing out of an athlete's mouth, first thing out of a teachable spirit mouth is thanks, coach. First thing out of, a, out of a person who doesn't have it is an excuse. And when I'm talking to older kids, I say, you know what? Excuses do not exist on great teams. Excuses, excuses do not come from the mouths of leaders. Excuses do not come from the mouths of kids who really want to have their team be as good as it can be. Excuses, if I'm talking to really older kids, are basically a form of cowardice. I'm excusing myself from a responsibility that I've got to get better for the rest of you. And so when you define those things and that try to hopefully in, in clear terms, the kids can go, whoa, whoa, I, can, I know exactly who's on which side of that line on the whole team, not just me, but yeah. I know everybody. And, and it's interesting because you'll get a call back from the coach if you've talked to the athletes about that kind of stuff. They said, man, you should have seen practice today, coach. And, I mean, I don't care whether it's <laughs> – I don't care whether it's fifth graders or if it's, if it's Division One football team. And yeah. so as you go through these things, CJ, as you go through these things as an adult trying to teach these things to kids, and sometimes it's easier, as I think all parents know, to have somebody outside the family teaching these things. It's almost easier and more accepted from somebody outside the family, and then they come back and say, yep, you know, my mom and dad have been doing those same things. But if, as you teach, the process for teaching any value is at least for me, I, I'm a physical educator. I'm a I'm a coach, so I understand the rules of motor learning, how you de- how you teach a physical skill, and I use those same four steps to teach any any value, whether it's confidence, accountability, selflessness, or what. You define it, and you define it very clearly, so it can't be missed. Then you model it. They got to see it in you. Okay. Then you shape it, which means you mold the behavior. That's a real. That's the most complex of all three because it requires confrontation. It requires, you know, all kinds of stuff in the shaping and the molding process. And then the last thing is to reinforce as the adult in that arena, to reinforce anything that's closer to where you want them to go. Okay, give that us was an a better example. reaction than last time you struck out. Okay. Give us an example where you had a kid that needed to um, build their confidence. You know, they had the skills, they were practicing, but, you know, they don't take a shot. They don't take a shot during, you know, the soccer game or the basketball or whatever. How would you um, define confidence? How would you model it, shape it, and reinforce it? First of all, are they, are they taking shots in practice? Because if they're taking yes. shots in practice, then, then, it's, then it's not game slippage, which is physical slippage. It's confidence slippage. In other words, mm-hmm. there's something going on between practice and a game that's making them feel like what they, they can't take what they've been doing in practice into a game, which is what most kids do. Mm-hmm. Um, back to your question on defining confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, trying to be real simple here. Most kids, uh, when you start, one of the first, one thing I do when I was working with younger kids was, and junior high school age kids, was to have them define things first. And you ask a junior high school boy, a linebacker, to define what confidence is, and he's going to talk about something he sees on professional wrestling or, you know, some big show of uh, look at me kind of a thing. And, and so you've got to not only define it, but you almost have to redefine it for, for a lot of kids. The best kind of confidence is quiet confidence. Quiet confidence based on one thing, preparation. In other words, in other words, we have prepared. It's no different than taking a math test, CJ. You know, if you have prepared for the math test, you can't wait to get in there. If you haven't prepared for the math test, I don't care how much you talk about how good you're going to do. It ain't going to make any difference. 
So the best kind of confidence is based upon preparation. It's very quiet, very quiet, carried very quietly. It should not be confused. Confidence should not be accused, confused with being loud or bragging. You know, and I can walk in any high school in America and I can tell whether true confidence has been taught by asking one question. You see some kid walking down the hall with a letterman's jacket on, and you say to her, hey, how are you going to do Friday night? Hey, say to the, say to the football, how, football guy, how are you going to do Friday night? The kid who doesn't understand confidence is going to react this way, who hasn't had it really clearly defined is going to say, we're going to kick their butt. Okay? The kid who understands confidence, the coach in the program that's taught confidence, the parent who has reinforced and, and taught confidence, how are you going to do this Friday night? We've had a great week of preparation. Two huge different looks at, at confidence. And like I say, if you're good, you don't need to tell anybody. You know, right. If you're good, you don't need to tell anybody. And I, I love those kids who can carry that confidence very quietly. doesn't mean timidly. It just means they're, they're very quietly confident. Those, that's what we always try to get our kids to be. Okay, so when you're, you see that kid and they say, we're going to kick butt, um, how would you shape it or reinforce it at that time or later? Or what would you do in those you instances? Start by, to you know, let's stop and let's look at that. Basically, loud noise people, are they're, they're basically people who are covering up for something that, you know, they're covering up some insecurity somewhere. There's something that's making them have this fake bravado thing. You know, here's one thing. <laughs> I, here's one way we taught this to junior high school kids. Because they saw confidence as being loud and screaming and hollering when they took the field. Okay? And so we talked to them about this just simple story kind of thing. We'd use analogies. We'd use in this. We'd say, which kind of dogs in the whole world are you least afraid of? Okay? I mean, no matter what happened, no matter what they say. And they'd say, oh, you know, and I hope you don't have a, like a poodle. But they'd say, like those little poodles. And I said, you go to somebody's house and you knock on the door and they got a little poodle. What are they doing? They're just scratching and yipping and biting. They're, they're just making as much noise as they can. I said, what dogs are you, I said, I said, truth is, those dogs couldn't do anything to you. I said, what dogs are you worried about? They said, ooh, man, like Dobermans. <laughs> I said, I said now, what do they say? And they go, like, nothing. And I was like, so, why? Well, because they know they're tough. Okay, which one do you want to be? You want to be a poodle or you want to be a Doberman? I mean, you want to be a, you know. That's a good way of shaping it. I'm sitting right here with a big yellow lab that, Barks at my wife when she drives in, you know. But, 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 you know, by making analogies and stories like that, kids are kind of kind of go, you know what? Loud and obnoxious, loud and bragging, loud and and look at me behavior is really not confidence. Yeah, confidence is a huge thing in kids' lives, and I think as all of us who work with young people, one of our main goals is to have kids become confident adults. There's no, probably no better gift that you can give any kid to have have them become confident adults, and it doesn't, you know, it's something that is is teachable. Okay, so what are some concerns that you hear from kids? And you mentioned one earlier, but what are some other concerns that kids usually have that shake their confidence? Like the, you said the slippage. You know, what are some of the other things? Biggest one is fear of failure, mm-hmm. and and that's normal for all of us. To think that maybe you have that the competition is going to require something of you that you're not capable of, and that gets back to playing nervously, passively, carefully, and to not make mistakes. Which means those people, those people that play passively and nervously, will eventually be bypassed by people who don't. Passive athletes don't last long. So, so the first way, first thing we do as far as talking about confidence, define it, and then we then we, the best thing we do is say, what are you scared of? To identify what your fears are, there's a booklet here called, one of our booklets is called, we have 17 of them, but one of the booklets is called Playing with Confidence. I wrote it for kids to be able to identify and to be their own confidence builders. So 
um, you know, what are you afraid of? And to identify exactly what it is. The number two thing is, especially for younger kids, is what people, what other people are going to think and what they're going to say. You know, there's fear of success, there's fear of injury, there's other fears, but those two, fear of failure and, and fear of what others think or say. And, and basically, it's a matter of identifying that and saying, what difference does that really make? And, and, and to, you know, we have a whole section in that booklet on, on once you've identified what it is, how to take action. Because you can have all the knowledge in the world, and you can have all the beliefs that you want to be confident in the world, but if you don't, ha- if you don't take action, you get zip. You know, I would, beliefs plus knowledge minus action equals nothing. And so, so one of the things we, you know, we have a list of things, uh, ideas on what kids can do to take action. And so that's also in that booklet. Okay, give me some examples of some of the things they can do to take action. Very first thing is the preparation, to go back preparation and identify what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and be willing to work on their weaknesses and not avoid them. Uh, mm-hmm. Next one is, is, to, uh, is, to, is to learn how to take chances, to learn how to take risks. And let's, well, the, the, the section there is if you don't have the guts to take a chance, you can't play. And so teaching kids how to play fearlessly, not fearfully, not, careless, not carelessly, fearlessly. Right. And, and that comes from trust to the coach, trust with your teammates, trust with the people that you are afraid are going to think or say. But, but so one of our goals was to have teams that played fearlessly, okay, and to define what that was and to teach that and to reinforce that. Just little things, CJ. Uh, teach kids how to walk confidently, walk tall. We used to have our teams practice on how to, you know, how to walk, onto the, how to walk into a gym, Stand up tall, hold your chin, look people in the eye, shake their hand, webbing to webbing, you know, uh, positive self-talk, you know, how, how to talk to yourself in, in not negative ways, simple things instead of saying, don't miss this, to, hey, perfect hands, you know, extend your, you know, going back to your technique, going back to your preparation. Um, another one we talk to kids about in the booklet is, and I talked to them in this, in this presentation is, it's an old saying that I used to tell all my players, and it's true about a lot of things, but it says if you hang with dogs, you end up with fleas. <laughs> and, and, and in this case, if you hang around people who are confidence cutters, if you hang, hang around people who are downers, if you hang around people who are always whining and complaining, you're going to end up like they are. So we're talking yeah. to young people about choosing your friends that are going to lift your confidence. Um, I love that. All yeah. right, I want to. We have to take a break right now, and I want to hear some more. This, these are fantastic, by the way. I'm CJ oh. Liu, and you're listening to Fired Up with CJ on the Transformation Talk Radio Network. This segment. Uh, speaker and author of several coaching books, Bruce Brown. And next segment, what do your kids want their parents to do? What do, the kids, what do your kids want their parents to want you to do as parents before, during, and after the game? We'll be right back. Feeling bogged down by your daily grind? Not living up to your greatest potential? Then it's time to turn up the heat and get real with what truly matters, be it family, career, wellness, spirituality, or anything else that fuels your inner flame. Join Fire It Up with CJ as this respected life coach talks to a wide range of experts and everyday people for their inspiring and unconventional ideas to help you make the most from your life. Equal parts heart warmer, cheerleader, and butt kicker, C.J. Liu draws on her extensive experience in business and life coaching, along with her intuition and playful humor, to address meaningful topics with truth and irreverence. It takes just one spark to ignite a fire. 
For dates and showtimes, visit www.fireitupwithcj.com or www.transformationtalkradio.com. Are you ready to tap into the healer within? Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. Did you know the real doctor is the source that lives within you, that heals within you minute by minute every day? The healer within is the innate intelligence of the human body. When we cut our hand with a piece of glass, we don't have to command the body to close the wound and grow new skin. It knows how to heal itself. We do have to nourish the skin by disinfecting it and remove the glass or it cannot heal. The innate healer relies upon us to assist in this healing process. Our role is to identify its needs, provide the substances required for the healing, and remove the obstacle. CRA, Contact Reflex Analysis, is an energy assessment which translates human energy into information. This information provides me with the ability to identify your needs as a healer and to design a specific solution for you. Contact us to achieve optimal health at 888-777-4232. That's 888-777. Seven four two three two, and visit us at maryjanemack.com. Oh, aren't you tired of the same old negative vibe? Hey, Valerie, have you heard about TransformationTalkRadio.com? No, what's that? Dr. Pat is launching a new network, and she... Dr. Pat? Dr. Pat. How many hours is she going to be on? It won't be all Dr. Pat. She'll be joined by her friends, transformative hosts from around the globe. TransformationTalkRadio.com is a 24-7 network. 24 hours of Dr. Pat and her guests? No, 24 hours of Dr. Pat and her hosts. Oh, very good. When does this start? This starts in August. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. Where is it going to be broadcast? You're going to be able to hear her in Seattle, Boston, Connecticut, New York, Rhode Island, on over 300 cable radio stations, and on the Internet everywhere. Listen live at TransformationTalkRadio.com. Great, we should spread the word. Absolutely, spread the word. Go to TransformationTalkRadio.com. 1230 WBLQ. You're listening to Fire It Up with CJ on Transformation Talk Radio and Stereo 1230 WBLQ. I'm CJ Liu, and you're listening to Fired Up with CJ on the Transformation Talk Radio Network. This segment, Coach Bruce Brown sharing his 35 years of experience coaching teens on Fired Up with CJ. Um, we're going to be talking about what do kids want their parents to do before, during, and after the game. So, Bruce, what's your what are your thoughts? What do kids tell you? What do the athletes tell you they want from their parents? Yeah, this is where the information that. I got from uh, asking my players questions about me as a coach came from. This is a whole presentation. This is a presentation that's on a DVD, uh, like a lot of our other ones, but it's probably our best seller uh, and the most requested presentation we have, even though we work with coaches primarily, because this really helps kids. And and so because it came from kids, um, you know, like I said earlier, it's how we can show respect to our sons and daughters from their perspective in this arena called athletics. And it just basically came down to – Three before, during, and after, and before before the before the game, to share their expectations and their reasons for playing. Every kid who ever played for me, I said, "Give me three reasons why you play." And so I think of parents. You sometimes you know get your own ideas formulated in your head why you think your kid plays, and then we have some time. Ask your kid those same questions. How, how, why do you play? 
what what are your goals for this year? What do you think a successful season will be? So that get all their expecta- their expectations out there. And then here's what kids say we can do with their, you know, compare ours with theirs. If ours and theirs are the same, great. Remember what they are. Move ahead of the season. If ours and theirs are different, kids say drop ours, accept theirs. Period. <laughs> 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 if you want them to have good memories and and perform well. What are some of the uh, when when kids talk? What are some of their what are typical expectations that you hear about in terms of what they want? The number one thing: why kids? Why do you play? The number one reason by ninety six seven percent of the kids who I've ever coached from eighth grade through college. The number one reason is something to do with fun or joy. I love to compete. I love being part of a team. I I, I love to battle. I love going. You know, I love this game. You know, something to do with fun or joy. And we've got an awful lot of parents out there. I got an awful lot of people in general that they're thinking, "Why do you really want your kid to play?" I hope that kid gets a college scholarship. Right. I hope they get their name in the paper. And I, I yeah, as a college awesome athletic director, there's a couple of truisms about scholarships. First one is, if you really want your kid to get a scholarship, take him to the library. That's that's where the money. That's where the money is. <laughs> Academics. Okay. Uh, so, but just that, you know, there's just a lot of people have a different set of expectations than their kids do and then when they all of a sudden realize that it's a it's a no-brainer to say you know what this is what they're trying to get out of it i need to accept those mm-hmm. how about what, what, what we should say during the game um during the game uh, the big thing is to model appropriate behavior and that's true for all adults i tell coaches all the time you got to be the face your team needs to see you know, if we expect our kids to react with poise and confidence during a game, then, baby, we better be poised and confident. Okay? So uh, there's just all kinds of things. There's Another thing is, is, to, is to be there, you know, and to, to be present. Uh, your presence, I had a former player of mine who's a psychologist, college, Penn State, and he talked about your presence is more important than presence, like Christmas presents, and, and, and being there. Um, you know, to watch as many games as you can, especially the ones where you're asked to attend. Being there is really important. Every now and then, you know, if you're one of those parents who's attended every game and every practice since they're like four years old, don't go. <laughs> every, choose choose one game this year and don't go. It's very okay, interesting two, to watch two, what they bring back to you. Yeah, I have two stories to share with you. Okay, <laughs> I, I've seen one where a parent was screaming so much at their kids, get over there! You know, you missed that one! And there was like literally veins popping out of his head. And I thought, that's probably not healthy for you, and it's certainly not healthy for your kid. I mean, what would you say to this parent So to, to kind of help them see the big picture? If they expect their kid to play with poison confidence, they better be poison confident. That if, if okay. they expect their kid to react to any kind of adversity with, with rage or with out-of-control behavior or uh, unacceptable emotion – then go ahead and continue doing it because they're going to model what we do. They're, what we do in moderation, they're going to do in excess. So whatever we do, whatever behaviors we do in moderation, they're more likely to do even more as they get as they get as they get older. Yeah. Uh, here's here's another one during the game. This came from younger kids. Okay. Uh, one instructional voice. <laughs> uh, okay. They can take as many encouraging voices as we can provide, but when it comes to instruction, they need to tune into one voice, and that's the same voice they've heard all week long in preparation. The voice of the coach. Mm. And, and so what, what kids are really saying there, especially younger kids, junior high school kids were saying, that's confusing. And, mm. and the truth is, if you're one of those parents who still sits in the stands and try to win the game from the stands by hollering advice, first of all, you can't win the game from the stands. And the second thing is, if your kid's playing in high school and is really a, a fine-tuned competitor, uh, 
and has learned how to compete. That's another one of our booklets, 13 Traits of Elite Competitors. And, and if your kid's a competitor, you know what they learn to do? They learn to tune you out. And it isn't, it isn't disrespectful to you. It's a tribute to them that they block out all unnecessary things. They just worry about the controllable factors. That's what great competitors do. So one instruction of voice. Here's, here's the last thing or one of the other things I talk about during the game. This is an interesting one, CJ, because it's, it's the only thing I didn't get from my players, and I don't, I don't know where I even got it, but it's great. Is there's only four roles in any game. You go to any game, whether you go to an NFL game or you go to an eight-year-old soccer game, there's only four things that you can be. You can be a player, you can be a coach, you can be a spectator, or you can be an official. There isn't anything else. You know, Some guy in Eugene the other day says, how about vendor? And I was like, well, vendor, I, okay, I guess. It, I am." <laughs> I think you're missing the point. The point is anyway, he, he was laughing about. It. So, so I'll say, I'll say to you know. So when you go to a game, make a list of those four things. All of us make a list of those four things, and everybody gets to choose one. Which one do you want to do today? You know, if you want to coach, apply for the job, or go out and coach in your neighborhood, or go out and coach. That's what great communities have: the people who volunteer to coach. If you want to officiate, they always need them. You know, if you want to play, find some old man's league and go play. You know. If you want to be a spectator, be a great one. But that's true for my players, too. That's true for my coaches. You know, do not referee. Yeah. It's do not, not watch. For the kids. Okay? How about yeah. after the You're game? too old to play. Coach your kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. So, true for all of us. <laughs> or be a vendor. <laughs> or be a vendor. <laughs> all right. Well, okay. How about after the game? What do the kids want then? You know, this is a, this is an, uh, this is a tough one to talk about, but it's, but it's really um, – it's, it really is held true, um, and it's probably the most one of the most important things I talk about. Whenever I go do that presentation, or, or whenever our speaking team goes and does that presentation, this is a gift back to kids, and so we say it like the kids said it. And I would have never known this, but it really helped me. After the game, you know what kids need? Time and space. Leave them alone. It's that mm-hmm. simple. Leave them alone. Create time and space. They don't need be a quiet, reflective listener. Get them back to why they're playing in the first place. Um, uh, you know what kids don't want? They don't want to rehash the game. They may when they're little because it's a connection with mom or dad. But eventually what that does is say, you know what, no thanks. Save your assessment of their play, of the officials, of the opponents, of the conditions, of the coaches. Just save it. The more competitive your kid is and the more competitive the sport that they play, the more time and space they need to recover. So give it to them. I, it totally changed the way I did my post games. Yeah, totally changed the way I did my post games. share that wonderful story you told me while we were talking earlier about the coach who uh, he said three things during, before, and after the game. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember that story, yeah. or do you want me to yeah, refresh yeah. your memory? One of the things is, you know, what can you say to your kid at the end of a game? And one of them was, is this came from one of my former students who was a college student who was going to go right out into coaching, and, and her comment was that her grandparents used to always say to her, "Oh, Natalie, we love watching you play." She said, I love that. She said, my performance was never tied to the outcome of a game, or my, my, their, my value to them was never tied to my performance or the outcome of the game. My value to them was I was their granddaughter. She said, I love having exactly. my grandparents there. I love watching you play. There's a former professional football player, friend of mine, who had a dad who was a football player himself, very successful football player. And he, and this, he said, you know, Coach, he said, I, here's what my dad always said to me. Before every game, he said, my dad said, I love you. Play hard, have fun. He said, after the game, my dad said the same exact thing every single time. Good game. I love you. Where do you want to eat? <laughs> this guy said, <laughs> I love those dinners with my dad because I knew how much my dad knew about football, 
but he never brought it up unless I asked him. Yeah. He said, this, he these said, are just those, what those I love. dinners were not I football dinners. Those were, those were father-son dinners. And he said he had yeah. this magic touch to know, when I did ask him, had this magic touch to know when to stop and never overwhelm me, never got too far into it. He said yes, it was wonderful, he basically wonderful released life the lessons. game to me. Yeah, these these are all wonderful. I mean, these are life lessons, as I was talking to you before. These aren't just for your kids. These are life lessons that all of us can learn from. So I really want to thank you today, Bruce, for sharing your advice. And I think you've helped us as people, and, and you've certainly helped our children spare them from us. <laughs> next Thursday. <laughs> okay, thank you for having next Thursday. Anytime you do anything good for kids, I'd love to help you. Yeah, so next Thursday on Fired Up with CJ, um, our month of March Madness is Pepper Schwartz, a national love and relationship expert on keeping your love life, your midlife, midlife love life alive. <laughs> is that even, Whoa. is that even a sentence? I don't know. Have a great week and we'll see you next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Fire It Up with CJ. Tune in each week on Transformation Talk Radio at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time for more of Fire It Up with CJ. It takes just one spark to ignite a fire. For dates and showtimes, visit www.fireitupwithcj.com or www.transformationtalkradio.com.